name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is risen. <clears throat> Today we come to the fifth Sunday of Pascha, the Sunday of the Samaritan woman. <clears throat> the great Fotini, right up there with the jar, uh, which means the enlightened one, Fotini. Uh, I think it's important to kind of recount her story a bit. Uh, beyond just the account in the scripture. Um, first, to understand uh, the Lord's relationship to uh, her, uh, we have to understand and to that, that event, understand um, first, you know, where Samaria kind of fits in the picture of uh, the Jews. Um, the Jews were captured, they were divided into northern or southern kingdom, about 90 B.C., 900 B.C. Um, the northern kingdom, Israel, was captured by Assyria. The southern kingdom, is, uh, Judah, was captured by Babylon. We normally hear all the Babylonian lore. The Assyrians captured the northern kingdom, and uh, when they returned in 400 B.C. from Assyria, <clears throat> Those Jews that were captured in Assyria um, were, um, they had kind of uh, developed a relationship with all the gods of Assyria. So they brought them back, and they didn't come to Jerusalem. They came to uh, Mount Gerasim in Samaria. So that's the, the difference here is that you've got, after the return, you've got the Jews that returned to Babylon that were back into the fold of the Jews, but then the Samaritans, uh, where they settled in Samaria, that was the, uh, they were kind of uh, renegade Jews, maybe you would say, uh, Jews that had lost their way. Uh, and so the Jews of Jerusalem didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans because they were worshiping false gods. Even traveling in that area it was not uh, comfortable. So when the Lord comes to the Samaritan woman, you can see this huge contrast that's sitting here right in front of us. It wasn't just uh, uh, the fact that it was a woman. It wasn't in the fact that there was this beautiful conversation going on. It was the fact that there shouldn't have been any conversation with any Samaritan. So very important, I think, to kind of put that in perspective uh, because we'll talk about that later. So this encounter with Christ that she has, um, she immediately is converted to be his disciple. She converts her five sisters and two sons to Christianity. And then it said, many people in Sychar became disciples of the Lord. And they really came under Fotini's tutelage. She then, years later, traveled to Rome um, and their whole entourage followed her. And it really kind of stirred the interest of uh, Nero. Nero, it was like, who, who is this woman? You know, kind of thing. So, uh, and it stirred a kind of revival, a Christian movement in uh, Rome, uh, to the point that uh, Domenina, Nero's, daughter was converted by Fotini to Christianity, which you can imagine upset him immensely. 
So he tried to, he tortured her. He uh, put her in prison. He tried to poison her, but none of these things uh, she succumbed to. She drank the poison. They, they built a furnace to try to put in it, to put her in this furnace, and they, when they opened the doors, she, was, she wasn't scathed at all. Um, finally, she was martyred for Christ, but after converting many, many people to the Christian faith. So the uh, beauty of this little the story we have in the scriptures is beautiful, but her life is so much more it's beyond that for us. So we see that this faithful woman sees Christ and becomes a devout disciple of him and begins to spread the word of Christianity through Samaria into Sychar and eventually into Rome, where she was eventually martyred. So... Um, Glory to God, and through her prayers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, today especially have mercy on us and save us. Amen. So a uh, couple of points of emphasis in the scripture I'd like to make. One is, <clears throat> I'll read the passage and then talk a little bit about it. And so Jesus, wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. So we sat down beside the well. What was he doing? He was waiting for her. He didn't sit down beside the well because he was tired. He didn't sit down beside the well because he wanted a drink. He sat down beside because he was waiting for her. You know, Jesus sits and waits for us. He sits. He's quiet. He's patient, and he waits for us. He waits for us to come to him, to come in through a circumstance, through a difficulty, through a struggle, through an encounter, through a mystical relationship of some kind, but he waits for us to come to him. So my encouragement to you in your life is pay attention. Because he comes in the simplest ways and sometimes in the most complex ways. It might be through an illness. It might be through some blessing you get. It might be through an encounter with a person. But whatever it is, Jesus is coming to you. Pay attention to these moments. These are powerful moments in life. And they happen, and we have, if we're paying attention, they happen a lot more than we think. But he's always coming to us, always moving toward us. He's, we have to understand, he's never distant. We may feel it because of ourselves, but he's never distant. We have to always understand that he's right there for us. We have to take advantage of these things. Um, so I know many here, which has been interesting in my life here for so many years, almost 50 now, um, I know this. I've seen God visit. I've seen his visits. It's, they're powerful. And when we take them in the right ways and they begin to develop, we develop this relationship like Fotini did with him. We can develop that kind of relationship with him. This intimacy, this sense of, of, uh, of uh, 
of familiarity even, but always understanding it's a, it, there's, a, there's an awesomeness about it, that he's our savior and benefactor, and he cares for us intimately, but he's still the creator of the universe. Those two things standing together. So we have to understand this. My encouragement to all of us is to pay attention to life, to the days, the things of the day. How many times has he wanted to us to turn to him in the midst of an encounter of some kind, and we missed it? So again, uh, the next uh, point. He says, uh, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst forever. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So thirsting, we thirst. The question is, what do we thirst for? What do we thirst for? What do we wake up thirsting for? other than a cup of coffee. <clears throat> so it's very important that we kind of get to understand this, that we are to be thirsting for holy things, divine things. And our thirst tends to be a bit for the mundane, which we have needs in life. We thirst for uh, life's appetites. We thirst for, at times, Selfish ambition, we thirst for our own will to be done. Maybe these are the things that we need to be careful of and begin to understand that our thirst needs to be for that which is holy, that which is eternal, that which is uh, according to God's will. There's a beautiful line in the saints that says, to obey and take comfort in the perfect will of God. Not just to obey the will of God, but to do what? Take comfort. Be comforted by God's will. He loves you. He's doing the best for you. We have to, we have to really begin to un understand that and begin to appreciate it in a deep sense. I know during the Lenten season, this thirst for holy things becomes very, very uh, beautiful uh, and something that as a community we begin to do almost together. A lot of services, a lot of opportunities for spiritual discipline, and all these things that are for us. And then we spoke of before, but and then the Lenten lid comes off, and we're back at it again. All the bodily appetites are growling at us and jumping at us. Okay, you've held me down for forty days. Now I'm back on top. We just got to be really careful of that whole thing, you know, because it can really be, in some ways, become, uh, well, we, we worked hard for 40 days, and now it's time to relax. And I've said this before, and I'll say it a thousand times, there's no vacation from the spiritual life. There's not a minute you take off. So be vigilant, be humble before God. The next. Uh, the woman answered, I have, not, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. You have five husbands, whom you have, and now the one you have is not your husband. This is your, this you say truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> it's still a great line in the scriptures. Like, Ooh. 
He knows me. You're a prophet. So um, the beautiful thing about this is that she admits in great humility and very frankly her sin. She doesn't defend herself. She doesn't stand up and argue with him. She doesn't deny it. She admits it right there. You know, this is a real important uh, lesson for us all, is in uh, two things. One is when you see your sins, you need to admit them. Don't excuse them. Admit them and then bring them to confession. You know what happens, and it happens to me too, so I, you can forgive me. I go, oh, that's a sin. I need to confess that. And then I don't go. We all need to get better at that. Ooh, I need to take care of that. I need to go to confession. Go to confession. If you ever think, if you ever wonder whether you should go to confession about something or not, go to confession. That's a true indication. My encouragement to you is that this frankness and honesty about our own Weaknesses and sins is such a critical part of the Christian life. We can't just, we can't keep going. It's like every little bit of sin that we don't deal with rightly hinders us. It lames us. It, 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 it uh, handicaps us. So we're walking around like this, like Christians like this, and wondering why. Why? You've got stuff that you need to get rid of. You've got stuff in the backpack, you've got to get out of the backpack. So my encouragement to you is be frank and quick like she was. It's very, very critical that we understand that. Um, so next, uh, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to, for such the Father seeks to worship him. So in this, the Lord is kind of putting before the Samaritan woman himself. The hour is coming and now is. Is. It's here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm the answer. Not just to her, but to all of us, to all of creation. I'm the answer. He's the solution to division. He, because he comes to unify all things. The Samaritan and the Jew. Comes to unify the rich and the poor. He comes, surprisingly, to, to unify the Democrat and the Republican. He's the solution. He's the truth. He brings everything together. His heart is to bring humanity together. Not to separate, but to unite. We have to get this. We have to understand how powerful this is in Christ. That we all need to, he's the answer to all the confusion, all the difficulties. Our hope is in Christ. It's not in the politic. Not there. Our hope's not there. Our hope's not in the perfect diet. Okay. No, no, hope's not in, you know, uh, 
financial successes. Our hopes in Christ, we have to kind of understand that we have to move our, our hope meter over to him. And yes, we need to be responsible people, right? Responsible citizens, take care of business. All that's important. But our hope is in Christ, not in the things of this world, not in the things of this life. We have to be able to step past and through those things. So, may God help us in those things. And finally, come, see, see a, man, a man who told me all that he did, all that I did. Can this be the Christ? Come and see. You know, my encouragement is for all of us to always understand this, this invitation of Christ. Come to me. Come and see. Come and experience. It's such an important aspect. We have to drop sometimes stuff we do, but we have to come to him in prayer, in spiritual work, in church, in all these things that are important to us. We have to make that effort to come to him. And also, and I encourage you this, this world is a desperate place and needs Christ. You need to share him with others. You need to take him out there. You may not meet, as St. Seraphim said, we're all called to be evangelists. And sometimes we may need to use words. It's our life that shows this. It's our life, it's our example of our life that's the important thing. We're out there as Christian people, as disciples and apostles of Christ, to share that which is him to this world that so desperately needs him. We need to have that kind of deeply in our, in our conscience that we should be kind of beckoning to others, come and see. Come and see. So we need to understand how important that is for us, as it was for, to Fotini, to make, that, to make that request. Come and see him. I, I found the Messiah. Beloved, you have found the Messiah. <clears throat> he lives in you. You need to understand how important it is to make that effort to share him, to share his presence wherever you are, Share that presence. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Amen. <clears throat>